Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Guys, thank you for listening to this week's episode. We really appreciate it. And we want to tell you all happy Thanksgiving. Um, I know by the time some of you will be hearing this, it'll be Thanksgiving or it will be the day or week after whenever you get around to listening to this. But I just want to wish everyone a peaceful and happy and lovely um, holiday. And don't talk about politics at the table. Just don't. Um, But for real, guys, I know that going home for the holidays or whatever your holiday plans may be, I know for some people it can be a little bit stressful. And there may be some of you out there that are not spending it with your family. So we just want to give you a virtual hug and let you know that we're here for you and that, you know, everything's going to be okay. I know that's very generic to say, but you will get through today. Anyways, this is going to be part two of Tia's episode. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I highly urge you to listen to that before you start this because that is going to be part one. And in this episode, we're essentially going to pick up exactly where we left off from part one. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, I know we loved having Tia on as a guest. She was just an absolute doll and an extremely inspiring girl. So, or woman, shall I say, because she is. So just enjoy this week's episode. I don't know what more I can say. I'm not here with Maddie, so I could probably just look at the wall and keep on talking, but I won't do that to you guys. Enjoy. Adios. Cheers. Namaste. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We went up and flew, and then his memory is of a time that we were sitting outside dispatch at a table, and I have these, like, very specific, colorful drinks that I always get before I go to work, and he's like, what is that? And so I started talking to him about it, and we're just, like, talking or whatever, and when I had left, I guess he had turned to his instructor, and the instructor was like, she's married, she has kids, bro, and he was like, oh, okay. (laughs) 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 and he was just like oh okay and but we had been talking for like 10 minutes and I just thought he was so cool and I was like what a cool cat like I don't know something just like he just made an impression really quickly and so fast forward a couple months to March of this year because I met him like last fall so fast forward to March of this year And I was right in the process of trying to buy my own plane because I just really wanted to start flying by myself. I was like, I want to go out, start seeing the world. I want to fly to these new places because obviously with COVID in place, USU was unable to fly to new locations and get out anymore. Like we had to land, come back and then take off. We were not allowed to get out anymore for safety precautions. So I was right in the middle of trying to find my own plane. 
and I was talking to my chiefs one day and I see him go walking out of dispatch and over to a plane that's not ours. And I'm just sitting there thinking, is this his plane? So I go running outside <laughs> and cause that's how I am. I'm such a networker. I'm such a talker. Every, all the big jets that come up there and land there, I go running out there. I go talk mm-hmm. to him. I start figuring out like, who do you fly for? Do you like it? What's your quality of life? Like all that stuff. So I network with a lot of people and that's just kind of how it's helped me try to figure out what avenues do I want to go, go for? What do I want to stay away from? So I go running out there and I'm like, yo, what are you doing? And he goes, Oh, Hey, how are you? And we start talking and he tells me that he had just bought that plane like a couple weeks ago, kind of just fell in his lap. So I start asking him and I'm like, well, what are you doing with it? What are you doing? Are you still training? And He's like, yep, I'm writing CFI right now. And I'm like, oh, good. Good for you. Like, that's awesome. And I said, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay here and instruct or, you know, what are you going to do? So he tells me that he wants to start backcountry flying and he wants to kind of open his own like backcountry flying thing and start his own program and write out a um, like a plan and stuff. And I was like, oh, that is awesome. And I told him, I'm like, anytime you want to fly, I will split costs with you or literally just go fly with you. I really wanted to fly. And he's like, well, let me get your number and I'll call you later and we can talk about it. And I was like, all right. So he calls me later that day and he starts talking to me and he's like, Hey, I don't know why, but I just really liked your vibe and I just really connected with you. And I think we can do some pretty big things. And I was like, all right, tell me like, what do you want to do? I am down for anything. And so he starts kind of telling me his plan about stuff. And that's when like our main bubble just started branching into all these bubbles. And I, so we kind of came up with this plan and we started Apache air services. And what we wanted to do was kind of open up new avenues for aviators. And the way that we were going to go about it is we wanted to do backcountry flying, but we had gone down to the Zion Ponderosa ranch and landed a contract with them to go do air tours down there and we were looking into getting an airstrip built down there we wanted to put a hangar down there and kind of just open up our own like flight school where we teach people how to fly and then instead of them like having to go be an instructor they can turn around and do the air tours for us so then we could buy more planes and we can get more people doing tours and you know yada yada And we just wanted to give people real life flying experience. We wanted to let them go out and fly real world stuff, not being like, oh, let's do the same thing over and over and over again as an instructor or, you know, teach all these things. Like we really wanted to give people better ways to build time. Well, not just better ways, but like new ways to build time where if you really did not want to be an instructor, okay, come fly with us and, you know, do air tours or whatever you wanted. And that actually branched out to a lot of things. So we actually had a lot of things in the works that we were doing. Um, So most people look at Apache Air as like, oh yeah, they were doing air tours and stuff, but it went way deeper than that. I mean, we were working with people down there to get land built and we were going to start doing flights for veterans. So Mm. it was, yeah, it was, it was a big thing. And we just like had all these things going like he and I, we just worked. I mean, we just flowed like it was nobody's business. And so the last weekend that we were together, 
that's when we had landed the contract to do the tours. We had just started working on our website that was getting built. We had just got our logo finished. Um, our business cards were being made. So all we had to do that week was come home now, start applying for a 135 certificate, which is the commercial certificate to be able to get paid to do these flights. And, Mm -hmm. but before that, we were just kind of like flying people around for fun, just trying to show them like, you know, this is what we want to do. What do you guys think? And we just wanted a lot of feedback. So we kept going back down to Kanab and taking people up and showing them all over Zion and just finding really cool back routes and just amazing things. People would get down and be mind blown. And, and that's what we wanted. That's what we loved. Cause we are like, we just get to do this at our own pace. We get to change these people's lives. A lot of those people actually started inquiring about aviation. I have one kid that was like, how do I do this? How do I become a private pilot? And we're like, we'll teach you. So it was really cool because it just opened up so much that people didn't realize is actually way more accessible than they think. Um, So, yeah, so that's how he and I started and we just connected right away. And like I said, we became business partners and we were doing that. And then that Sunday we came home and he took his old flight instructor and her husband up that evening for an anniversary flight. And unfortunately the three of them passed away in a crash around seven that evening. And I would say it definitely hit me in a way I was very unprepared for. Um, it's different when like even Parker and I, when we would discuss cases and aviation stuff and, you know, you talk about other accidents, it's one thing when it's a case and it's very unrelated to you, right? You can speculate and talk about it and kind of learn from it and be like, well, this is what I will do in the future if this happens to me. And you, you know, but when it's your best friend and your plane that you were just in hours before not even 15 minutes from your house it hits in a way that I really don't wish on anybody like ever um it definitely took a huge toll on me and I'd say the hardest thing that I have right now with processing it is the logical explanations and just not having answers Um, Mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing for me right now is just knowing like, okay, I have flown with this guy for months and he's a phenomenal pilot. Like I honestly, if he and I were to ever go to the airlines together, I think it would have just been the best time. He would be the Mm -hmm. only person I feel like could get me to go to the airlines. Cause if he and I were captain and first officer other way around, like we just float, like we just boom 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 um so that's kind of what's been the hardest for me is just really not knowing like okay well what happened why did this happen and why why them you know especially because his his instructor um worked with me at usu and she was a phenomenal pilot as well she's like a golden star child up there Mm -hmm. so it's definitely been hard it took me a while to get back in the plane um I was going to ask, like, has that affected you personally when it came to flying? Like, did you have, were you reserved? Oh, yeah. Step back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely, 
it definitely took me a minute. Um, 29 days to be exact. What was that first flight like? <sighs> emotional. Yeah. It was very emotional because I went back to the university. Cause, so I had put my two weeks in and I had already been like, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going to finish out my students and then I'm going to go start this, you know, I'm going to go start this business with him. And so going back was really hard for one. And then it just, I don't know, the flight itself just kind of hit different because it wasn't the same, not flying with Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, cause people know, like, if you knew him, there was just, there was no, nothing was small to him. This, this guy was grandiose about life. I mean, <laughs> yeah. anything, anything was grandiose to him. Nothing was small. You want to go to lunch? Oh yeah. I know the best place to go. It has the best food. Like that's how Parker was. He was grandiose about everything. And he was so, he just like lived in full gratitude. I mean, our whole flight home from Canab was just, I can't believe we get to do this. This world is so beautiful. And we get to do the most amazing things and the things that we're going to show people, like that was just how he was. So that was kind of, it just felt quiet. That first flight felt real quiet. Um, But I had asked my student, I was like, hey, I am going to take off on this first takeoff and then I'm going to do a landing and then I'm going to give you controls and we're going to go up and do your lesson. And he was like, okay, mind you, this student has no idea of what happened, but I just like kind of set that out there because I was like, I need to do this for me. And then it was just like nothing. It was like riding a bike. And a part of me was like, well, what were you so scared of? Like, did you just think you were not going to know how to fly or something? But I got up there and it was just fine. Like, I was like, okay, like, you know what you're doing Tia. Like, what, what are you afraid of? You know? And a lot of people had told me that before too, like, especially his dad, his dad has just been such a great, like hype man for me since Parker's passing. Cause he's like, you knew how to fly before Parker and you were a pilot before Parker and you are going to be a damn good pilot even after Parker. And when we went up there to get his bachelor's degree, and he sat in the plane. He looked right at me and he was like, do you see this? Do you see how cool this is? He's like, why would you give this up? He's like, you know what you're doing. You get up here and you enjoy it and you be the best damn pilot that you know that you are. And it just like got me. And so I was like, you know what? You are right. And so that's kind of just what got me just back in the groove. But yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. it definitely took time just because it hits you a lot different when it's really, really close to home. And then you just start you start overthinking, you know, you start overthinking like, well, why did this happen? Or what caused this? Or was it pilot error? Was it this? Was it the plane? And with no answers, it just kind of, you just run yourself in a bunch of circles. And I can't imagine how emotional it is. Yeah. I mean, for, even for me, like, I'm just thinking about my dad's crash. Like I resonate with what you said to you so much, because even today it's been 10 years since my dad's plane crash when he died. And even today, just because the NTSB usually comes back with pilot error, you always just like kind of have those questions lingering. And that doesn't really provide closure when you hear pilot no. error. Um, and, and that's the hard part. Like when you're going through the grief of losing someone in a plane crash, you may never know what actually happened to them. Um, it's not like you get to listen to the black box recordings at all. Um, right. You just kind of have to speculate in your own right. And, and that can be really difficult um and I know for me like I took a couple months off work because my dad passed away while I was a ramper um 
And honestly, having the aviation community surrounding me, like they were just so good to me. And I think that's really what uplifted me. But if I didn't have that, I think it would be a little bit different for me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The community in itself is amazing. And then his family, I just, I truly am so grateful for them because they have been so uplifting and so supportive. And my boss, like, I walked in there probably two weeks after I lost Parker and I was like, I can't come back. I'm sorry. Like, I can't do this. Like, this is not for me. I don't know if this is just a sign for me to just quit aviation completely, but I mean, I I can't, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be in a good headspace to ever come back up here. And he just looked me dead in my face and he was like, I'm going to tell you a story about a time that I walked away from. And it's one of the biggest regrets I've ever had. And so he told me a story and he said, I don't want that for you because I know that you're a good pilot and I know that you are having a hard time right now, but maybe let the emotions settle first and then make that decision. And so he did. He made me think about it. And I'm really glad that he did that. And I truly, I mean, he's just been amazing to me through my entire flight experience. Like he has been one of those people that has just pushed me and pushed me and been so supportive and has just seen something in me. I guess I just don't see in myself because he's like, you're not going to give up on this. And he's like, would you truly think that Parker would be okay with you walking away from this because of this? And I, I was like, well, no, probably not. He's like, I know Parker. And I think he'd be pretty upset and kind of mad at himself if he was the reason that you left aviation Mm -hmm. something that you love and you're good at doing and I was just like wow okay and so he did he was just like I can't let you let this dream die like with him and I don't think he would like you to do that either and so that's what really really made me sit back and think and is what got me back up there was him again because he's like "Eh, this isn't for you like you're not going to walk away from this and then have regrets years later down the road that maybe you should have stuck it out. He's like, if you stick it out and then you come back to me in a couple months and you're like, Hey, this isn't for me. Then I'll, then I'll understand. He's like, but right now, you know, you're just emotional and that's totally acceptable. He's like, just take time and process that and then come back. And so that's what I did. I was like, all right. And so it took a little bit more time and then I went back up there and He's like, are you ready to be a CFI initial? Because I know you've got your hours. I was like, yes. Yes, I am. Let's go. And so we did my checkout for that. And now I'm just trudging along, just keeping going. I can't, I can't imagine, you know, like the, the, like, like I said, the emotion behind that first flight. I know not really the same, but when I, before my dad died, I didn't really ever think that I was going to be a pilot and then after he died like you were saying like letting that legacy like that dream die I didn't want my dad's legacy to die and um the main reason was like being able to fly his airplane because we flew a lot together growing up and the first flight lesson I took oof (laughs) I was like it was it was just um a sense of solitude but it was extremely bittersweet like one half of me was so happy that I had finally gotten to this point, look at me, I'm going, but the other half of me, and I know you probably feel this is, 
man, where's my buddy? Like, yeah. I miss my friend. Like, where's my buddy that's supposed to be doing this every step of the way with me? Um, yeah. So I know that has to be hard. And, um, you know, how has the grief process been for you? Because, you know, like you said on your Instagram story and like we talk about on the podcast, um, you know, for people like us, we can't just go out and get normal counseling or normal therapy. Um, so I was curious, you know, what that process has looked like for you. Oh, that has been rough. The grief process has been rough, not just because of grief itself, but because Parker's death has really affected me in a way that I was, like I said before, was very unprepared for. Um, He just really made a mark, a very, very positive and just a huge mark on me that he taught me so much in so little time that that alone, like losing him just as a friend alone has just been really hard. Like I think his death has been one of the hardest deaths I have ever had to deal with in my life. Um, But the process of that, not being able to just reach out and be like, Hey, you know, I need help or go to a therapist because I've looked into a lot of places trying to see like, Hey, if I go to this place, can they disclose this? If I go to this place, will they disclose this? And a lot of places because the FAA is obviously federally regulated, they can go in and request my records. And what has always made me scared the most is if I go in there, you can talk all you want. Right. But it's the minute that they diagnose you that you're in big trouble. And that's been my biggest Mm -hmm. fear is I don't want to go in there and then be like, okay, well, you have anxiety or, you know, you have depression or any of these things, because once they write that down, that information is now in my file, which can be disclosed later on if it's requested, you know, later. And I don't want that going against me. I don't want them then, you know, pulling my medical for a little bit and being like, Hey, you got to jump through these hoops. I need to, I need to do all these evaluations and all these things to make sure I can fly. And so that's, I think been the hardest for me because there's been a couple times in the last two months where I just felt emotionally out of control. Like I just was spiraling with so many different emotions. I mean, grief itself is really hard to get through and process and deal with. And then you add on normal life. You add on Mm. having to go back to work. You add on being Being a mom. mom. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just, it was a lot. It was so much to deal with. And I actually had a friend call me during one of my like biggest breakdowns. And she's like, Oh my gosh, what is wrong? And I just told her, I was like, dude, I'm just having a hard, hard time right now. And she just started resourcing and started like calling all these people. And it, freaking drove me nuts I was like girl stop it right now like you don't understand what you're doing like you could get me in so much trouble and she's like what do you mean I'm like you can't call these people for me you can't just start throwing my name out and telling these people that I need help because that will come back and bite me and bless her heart she was just trying to help me but I'm like you don't understand like my medical is all I have that keeps me from being a pilot and if they for one like one little reason be like I don't know let's pull it that's it for me and I have to jump through all these hoops now to get it back and so she's like well what do I do then I'm like just listen just listen I just need someone to genuinely just listen to me and hear me and just validate like my 
and that was it but it was in that moment though like in that dark moment that I realized like wow the fact that I can't just go and get grief counseling without fear of repercussion that's when like the pilot pandemic podcast started hitting my brain and you know Maddie started I started thinking about like Maddie and like what you guys were doing and I was like wow I really didn't realize to what extent this was such a huge problem until it was me that needed the help and was like what can I do what can I do which that's such a good point that you made because that is the thing, the problem that I have with the FAA. It's like, yeah, you can pass your first initial mental health um, medical, you know, you can pass it. But then what happens after that? Like w- you have still have life happening to you after you get your medical. And, and just like Parker, he just passed away and there was like, you never thought that was going to happen. And now here it is right in front of you. And like you said, it was such a, a massive grief for you like one of the hardest deaths that you've ever dealt with and now what do you do um and there isn't that outlet like you said like it's you can't go because then you're you may lose your medical and and that's the frustrating part is that nobody thinks about it in their shoes until it happens to them and um that's one of the things that I tell pilots I'm like even if you're not dealing with a mental health issue right now it doesn't mean that you won't deal with one later Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I and know. Not I, just it, mental stuff either. I mean, physical. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah. Physical and mental. It um, wasn't. I mean, the the real connection for me, like to to create the the petition and everything. I I saw the problems that my uncle and my father were having, but it wasn't until I was in flight school and I was like in the middle of this grief, and I'm like, oh my god, I miss my dad so much. Like how am I going to do this without him? And I'm literally just at the lowest point in my life. And it hit me and I'm like, and I can't go get help because I'm already almost $26,000 down the drain. If I go get help right now, like I'm done. And that was the real kicker for me was like when it really affected me personally, I saw how it affected my dad. I saw how it affected my uncle, but then when it affected me, that was the real shift. I was like, okay, this, this is not right. This is not fair. Well, um, think about financially though. Most pilots, they're the finance, like they're the head of house, right? Yeah. I'm really yeah. lucky that I am not. So if I really, really needed to, I am very blessed that if I needed to take that time and go get therapy or whatever it was that needs to be done for me to get through this. And let's say they do take my medical and I have to jump through all the hoops. I am lucky to have that time, but there's a lot of pilots. They don't have that. They can't be put on leave. They can't be jumping through hoops and paying for all that because I'll tell you right now, number one, therapy's not cheap. So even going through that, is a lot of work, right? Or anything physical that people have to deal with, like if they break a leg or break an arm or whatever. Um, and then you have, you know, your, um, the medical examiner, they're not cheap. And then to jump through all the hoops, to go through all of those appointments, those all cost money too. So if you're the head of house and financially already, you cannot take that leave to go get the help that you need because, you know, you, you, you provide, you're the provider, that income is, um, you know, they 
rely on your income. And then you have to go through all these hoops and the time and even more financial stuff. I mean, financially alone, that is a huge stressor for pilots is they're like, well, I don't, I can't even take the time off right now because, you know, my income is the one that's dependent on. So I can't lose that income. And then if I do lose that income, now I have to pay to go through all these appointments and all these hoops and all these evaluations just to get the medical reinstated. And that alone is a lot of time. So just off of time and finances alone, there's not a lot of wiggle room that is given to pilots or, you know, for them to even go through that process. So they're just like, I'll stick it out. I'll deal with it. Yeah. 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 So the last question I wanted to ask you was if you were to give one piece of advice to a lady aviator, what would it be and why? Ooh. Um, one piece of advice. I would just genuinely say, just go for it. I mean, a lot of things I feel like hold people back are fear, but you can have a fear of anything. So if you're going to have a fear of something, at least have a fear of doing something that you absolutely love and then being a total badass at it and succeeding. Yeah. What were we talking about the other day, Maddie, when I was like, it's like my biggest fear, but I, when I conquer my biggest fear, it's like the biggest accomplishment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it's an adrenaline rush. Yeah, it is. It is. But I love that. And it kind of goes hand in hand with um, your friend, Parker. He had a quote that Maddie and I really liked, and I wanted you to say that really quick. The buy the ticket and take the ride. That's my advice right there. Buy the damn ticket and take the ride. Because no matter what you do, there's going to be bumps. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be failures. There's going to be success. So if you want to be an aviator, then take all of that on as a challenge and succeed at it. Um, Yeah, I actually got it tattooed on my arm just for him for that because that was his thing for me because it took me so long. It took me a long time to leave my comfort zone at, at my university. I had finally, like I said, just put in those two weeks. And that's the biggest thing for me that I got from him because he's like, dude, buy the ticket, take the ride. Like you have no idea what's waiting for you on the other side if you actually don't go over there and check it out you know so you can't be as he would say you can't be scared to take off because you don't know what's out there you take off and you go find out what's out there I love that I love that well we did have some fun questions for you like at the end of the episode just to leave us on a lighter note but I do want to say that your your story is I, I feel the emotion behind you um I can hear it in your voice and I just admire you a lot and Aww. being a mom and dealing with grief and like being a pilot and a CFI that's a lot that's a lot so I just I commend you thank you <laughs> but Maddie do you want to ask the first question or you want me to start sure sure all right to you real real talk now you're only <laughs> you're only allowed to have one style of pizza for the rest of your life. What's it gonna be? It's gonna be a Hawaiian chicken pizza from Marcos for life. Ooh, that sounds so freaking Hawaiian? good right now. Oh, oh my god. Hawaiian chicken pizza. 
it mm. will their Canadian bacon on it. Yes, absolutely. Add jalapenos. <laughs> All right, now you've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I like you messed spicy. it up, Emma. <laughs> Heartburn feels good every every once in a while. Come on, mix the tomato sauce with the jalapeno. What can happen? What could possibly happen? But I honestly, Maddie, I'm curious, what if you could only have one style of pizza, what would it be? Well, you guys are going to hate me because I don't eat meat. I only eat fish. So literally, it'd be cheese pizza. I'm so boring. Just oh, like my coffee. My God. <laughs> <laughs> just put uh, some cheese on there and i'll be good gosh oh. i i think for me it's like the spicy italian sausage jalapenos and like onions i don't know i'm gross like i'm really gross that's such right. a random pizza order so kind I of always a, a supreme gal that's what you yes. are yes yes that yeah. whole supreme Mm-hmm. I like a little bit of veggie. I like a little of the green and the meat and the spice. You know, <laughs> I like it all. But our next question for you is, are you a order the same thing off the menu type of person? Or do you like to try the whole menu? Oh, type I'm of a person? whole menu. Whole menu type of person. Fuck yes. I mean, Me I too. definitely read through stuff and I'll be like, oh, that might not sound good. But I definitely like to try new things everywhere I go. Mm, See, I made the mistake. My boyfriend and I, we went out to this, um, it was like Greek comfort food and I love Greek food, but I had never had like, like anything other than like traditional Mediterranean food. And this was like baked Greek food, right? Like pasta and stuff. And I was looking at the menu and I really wanted their chicken lemon soup. That's really what I wanted. But and I just felt bad. I was like, if I get soup at this really nice restaurant, I just feel like that's awful. Like I need to be that person that explores the menu a little bit. So <laughs> I ordered something and it came exactly like what I thought it was going to be. And I didn't like it. And it was the biggest waste of money ever. <laughs> and then my boyfriend felt really bad. And then I felt bad. And yeah, it was a whole thing. So that's when you I, just politely say, um, I really don't like this. Can I order something else? Yeah, <laughs> I, I should have. I should have. <laughs> I'm that. No, I'm that person. I will try something. <laughs> and if I'm like, yeah, this is a no for me, like absolute no. I just grab the waiter the waiter or the waitress and I'm like hey um so this is the first time I tried this it's not for me may I order something new (laughs) yeah like the waiter came over to like you know when we were finishing and I I I'm, I'm good my parents taught me right like I ate half of it I was raised correctly I ate half of my food even though it was questionable when she came over she was like you want a to go box and I was like no she was like are you sure really you're like listen the first half was gross i'm not taking the second half home (laughs) (laughs) but maddie i want you to ask the last question all right last one is if you were unable to fly what other career path would you choose i would definitely go medical um I was actually talking to Parker about this on our flight down to Kanab because I have always wanted to go back and get my paramedic because I went to school to be an EMT. So I have that under my belt and that's probably where I'd go. I've always wanted to be on the ambulance and just helping people. And I had actually 
discussed with him. I'm like, yo, once Apache's like up and running and we're not babysitting it, I said, I think in my spare time, I'm just going to go back and get my paramedic and just kind of do that on the side because it won't be something that I have to depend on financially. So I could just like do it out of like love for it. And so we had talked about it and part of me was like, I kind of want to cross train into a helicopter even because my husband is a nurse and I'm like, how cool would that be if I cross train to a helicopter and I go to life flight and then he's on life flight with me. So that's always crossed. Oh, that's that'd be so cool. I've always, I grew up, my mom's a nurse too. So I actually grew up like in the hospital. This is back when she was able to take her kids and we, my mom would just like sit us in a hospital bed while she was working, which you can't do that now. Um, but I've, I've always loved the medical field too. So that sounds like such a cool opportunity. Yeah. I'd probably go medical if I couldn't fly. Well, I, yeah, I went, I tried to go to nursing school before I did flight school. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, you're going to have to work on dead bodies. I was like, no. Oh, see, that's where I thrive. Like I've always considered being like a coroner or somebody that, sits and figures out like cause of death someone that can cut the body open and sit and examine it and do all that oh yeah I'd love to do that the body just like totally intrigues me though so I'm so for that oh well you you girl I like you a lot I ain't even gonna lie I just I really (laughs) like you I really do I really do and I am looking forward to meeting you in real life um yes and If if you ever listen, once I get once I get the money for my CPL, you need you need people to come fly for Apache girl. I got you. I'm there. <laughs> I got you. Don't you worry. I actually just came up with right before um, our podcast started. I was actually meeting with a friend, and we were discussing like business and how we're going to move forward with all this. So it's definitely going and we're, I'm going to keep his legacy alive and keep building it, but I got you. Don't you worry. I got a special place for you to come and fly with me and you don't have to instruct if you don't want to. And you can just have a good time with other people and showing them why aviation is so amazing and just sharing that love with other people. So don't you worry. The gift of flight, the gift of flight, the gift of flight. It will change your life. So buy the ticket and take the ride take the ride amen well tia where can everyone find you um on instagram it's just at underscore t-e-e underscore u-h-h because everybody likes to call me taya so i changed my instagram handle so they would figure it out but for some reason that still doesn't it doesn't come across for some reason (laughs) it does to me i was like Thank you for spelling it out. All right. The only way I can remember is Tia Tamara. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like Doja Cat, you know? like Yep. My whole song about me. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But it has been lovely having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Please keep us updated. Yeah. No, girl, don't even. I'm so, (laughs) I'm just happy to be able to. Um, give people a platform where they can share their stories like this because it's really inspiring and helpful to other people. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tia.